Our guest was just introduced earlier today as the new head coach of the women's basketball program here at Gardner-Webb. His name is Scott Merritt, and he is kind enough to stop by the studio and give us a few minutes. Scott, welcome to Boiling Springs. When did you get in? I got in last night. I got I flew into Charlotte last night, so had orientation this morning. So I guess it's officially official. So I'm excited to be here. Officially day one on the job. Mm-hmm. Correct. I'm going to put you through a series of quick rapid-fire questions, maybe uh, mostly off-the-court personal stuff for the Gardner-Webb community to get to know you. And this has become a regular practice for all new running Bulldogs, especially head coaches. You ready? Yep. Favorite movie? Training Day. Good one. Favorite musical artist? J. Cole. Favorite food? Anything. More specifically, we'll say pizza. You know, you're talking to a guy who makes his own pizzas in the backyard. (laughs) He does love some pizza. A guy from New York that (laughs) pizzas in his soul. But anything. Anything. You're paper thin, six foot ten, paper thin, good shape, and this guy says he eats anything. I, I will literally eat anything. I'm the least picky person you will ever come across. Favorite non-basketball hobby? Working out. Okay. What's your go-to road trip entertainment? You cannot say film, by the way, in this answer. When you're sitting on the bus, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you doing? See, I love, I've loved watching film, but that's not entertainment to me, right? That, that's work. It's fun at times, but it is work. Um, either listening to music or I, I love to watch shows. So I watch a ton of shows on Netflix, you know, different TV shows. Most recent one you watched? Uh, power. Okay. Best player from the 2003 Marquette Golden Eagles. Dwayne Scott Wade. Merritt is the correct answer. Right? It is a correct answer. <laughs> it, in my mind, I want to say it, but people. <laughs> but so, of course, I'll say D Wade. Okay. Dwayne Wade. Uh, so, Scott, you win nothing, by the way, for answering all those questions. Uh, congratulations on good answers. You played at Marquette from 2000 to 2004. You were a member of the 2003 team that made the Final Four. That year, you averaged 10 points per game and 6.6 rebounds per game. What's it like playing in the Final Four? It, it's amazing. And even though we got beat down that day, uh, the environment, the atmosphere, and everything leading up to it was, was an experience that I wish everyone could experience at some point in their life. You know, it's just really hard to do. You know, not everyone, not every player, not every team is, is one good enough or lucky enough to get to that point. But it's, it's an experience you'll never, ever forget. The 2003 Final Four was at the Superdome in New Orleans. There were probably 60, 70, 80,000 people in the building. Mm-hmm. That's different. That's not a basketball environment. No, it's insane. And you can't even really – there's so many people in there, you don't even know where your family is. You kind of know the section, but it's such a big section that you kind of have to, like, focus for a minute or two to really find in or find where your family is sitting. Um, but it's amazing. It's just so many people. So it seems loud. like the craziness of it is almost greater in the week leading up to it between that previous weekend of winning the regional title and clinching the Final Four berth and actually playing in the game, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's where, you know, you, you're going back when you get back to campus and you have police escorts and, and all the fans are waiting for you and they're sending you off uh, in the streets of line. Like those times are insane uh, and you can't really describe it. You just have to experience it. But uh, those are actually the moments where you bonded more as a team. And that made the experience, the Final Four run, even that more memorable. It was like everything that happened off the court, away from the games. Is there one memory from that week that sticks out? 
I just remember being in the hotel room and we had a little bit of downtime and we were just playing cards. Like it was, I think it was like five or six of us and we were just, you know, shouldn't say it, but we had the money flowing. We're gambling a little bit uh, and we were just playing cards and having a great time, you know, and it just was, this is just one of those things like, this is it. Like this could be, you know, this team will never play together again. And we knew that. We knew D-Wade was on his way out um, and we just, we took advantage of those moments. You played another year at Marquette after that, 11 points per game, seven rebounds per game in your final season in 2004. And then you went off to a fairly long pro career from 2004 to 2013 in several different countries around the world. Also played a little bit in the then developmental league, now the NBA G League. Have you ever in your professional days, in your time coaching now at some big programs, and we'll get to that, you ever experienced anything remotely like the fishbowl that is the Final Four? Not on that scale. Uh, I've been in some places where the fans are just as passionate, maybe even more. Uh, And I've been in some venues where 15,000, 18,000 sold out, but we're not talking 60,000, 70,000 like the Final Four. Uh, But the fans in Japan are amazing. Like they said, we sold out every single game, right? I think it was eight to 10,000. And we went to the finals that year. Um, It was like Mm 15,000. And they're loud and they're rowdy. Uh, so I've been in some situations where the, the fan experience is, is pretty cool. You mentioned Dwayne Wade was obviously the star player of that 2003 Marquette team. He, of course, went on to a very long, very successful Hall of Fame NBA career, one of the biggest superstars in the sport in the modern day. Uh, what's your relationship like with him nowadays? Do you keep up with him at all? We, we don't really go back and forth like we don't call or keep in touch like that but the whole team has a group chat um and we all any holidays birthdays big events like we're, we're on it even the coaches uh which is which is awesome so i guess we do kind of stay in contact that way uh we all were actually uh marquette held an event this summer like a reunion tour and everyone was there so the whole team was there so we do connect and, and stay in touch but like do i talk to him on a day-to-day no I do not but um he, he's an amazing guy um he's done a lot for for the program and for for his teammates How about your head coach, Tom Crean? He's now in broadcasting. And should I mention that the Gardner-Webb men just a season ago handed him a brutal loss down at Georgia? I'm going to mention that to him (laughs) next time I talk to him. I got to bring that up. But what's your your relationship like with Coach Crean, who obviously, of course, as well, has had uh, an incredibly successful college basketball head coaching career, Marquette, Indiana, Georgia, um, if I'm missing any. Oh, he's, he's been amazing for me. He, he's absolutely my mentor. Anything, any question I have about any aspect of coaching, right? He, he's done it at a high level. He's won big. He has all the experience in the world and very knowledgeable, and he's good, and he's smart. Uh, so he's helped me out. He, he helped me prepare for this job um, or going after this job. Uh, I, I've called him numerous times to just get advice. So we do talk and speak on a regular basis. In fact, I did offer him assistant role. I just don't think I could. <laughs> I have one more spot. Hey, coach, I just don't think I could afford him. So um, so he turned it down, obviously. But no, he's been, he's been very, very helpful throughout my career. Your coaching career after you played, playing career ended in 2013, you first spent a year coaching high school boys. Yes. What was that year like? Honestly, I learned a lot, right? Because I, I did some AU stuff uh, while I was still playing in the spring and summers. But, like, this was the first time I was experienced to having to, you know, institute a system, you know, game plan, prep, uh, you know, and mentor young athletes. So it was – it. I won't say it prepared me for becoming a, a coach at the collegiate level, but it was part of my story, and it made me better, 
uh, and, and I got a chance to coach some, some really young, great young men. So, so that experience was a lot of fun. After high school, you latch on at your alma mater. You spend six years in the women's basketball program at Marquette, a year at Illinois, then some time at Wisconsin, and now you're here, first-time college head coach at Gardner-Webb. How does one make the jump? Because you went from coaching high school boys, obviously coming up, you're playing men's basketball. How did you make the jump from coaching men's basketball and getting into the women's game? I was in the right place at the right time. I knew the right person. Uh, I wanted to coach at the college level. I didn't care if it was on the men's side or the women's side. And, and my first boss, Carolyn Keeger, was a player at Marquette when I was there. So we overlapped for two years. So we had a prior relationship. And then she got the job, and I was looking to get into college level. And she brought me in. We spoke. When she got the job, I congratulated her and, and stopped by to say hi. And then um, she, she called me back a couple of days later, like, would you ever want to coach on the women's side? I'm like, absolutely I would. So she brought me in and had me work out some GAs, and we met a couple times, and she hired me. And it was um, the best thing that could have happened for me. Like, it was the right place, right time, and I was able to learn so much in, in those five years with her. And you've stayed in the women's game since. Mm -hmm. I, I see no reason to, to change. Like, the women's game has been great. It's great basketball. Uh, I enjoy coaching these young women and, and seeing them grow and turn the corner. So it, it, it's been very fruitful for me, so I have no reason to – change now i've been around the women's game calling games here at gardner webb now for three seasons but also at previous schools and elsewhere and what we saw this year in the mainstream with the final four run of caitlin clark and then south carolina getting bounced and angel reese and lsu a little bit of a surprise champion in a way as a three seed but what we saw as far as the quality of play the drama that resulted in TV ratings through the roof. Yep. I think that's something that I noticed about the women's game a long time ago, and I'm sure you've got a few years on me, so I'm sure you noticed before me. What stood out to you about the women's game that's maybe different about the men's game that people just weren't aware of and clearly now they've become aware of? I think people for a long time didn't think – obviously they're still not the, the – high flyers, right? They're not dunking in the men like the men do, but they're just as good as basketball players, right? They're just as skilled. They're just as good as athletes. So I think people are starting to understand that, and they're just as competitive. So when you see these girls competing and talking stuff to each other, uh, I think they're like, oh, wow, they're, they're really getting after it. They're going at it. Uh, and I think that's enticing it to a fan uh, to either go to the game or watch it on national television. And you want to see girls compete like that. I think it's good for the game, as long as they're doing it in a respectful way. I've also noticed in my time behind the scenes and traveling with women's programs that strategically, in part because of what you described, the X's and O's of the game are a little bit different. So how have you adapted to coaching uh, in the women's game over the years? I think it, it's just... It just depends. A lot of times, if you have certain players that are so good, they can get a bucket no matter what. But a lot of times, you have to play more team ball, and you have to go get kids buckets and put them in position to take advantage of their skill set. Uh, there's certain kids, you know, Caitlin Clark, you just give her the ball, get out of it. Angel Reese, there, there are certain kids at that level, and there's a lot of them. Um, but for the most part, um, kids do need a little bit more direction, a little bit more organization to, to be successful. You are succeeding. We could argue because of what last year was, maybe the most successful women's basketball coach in Gardner-Webb history, Alex Simmons, who uh, took the team to the NCAA tournament, took the team to the greatest season in Big South basketball history, 21-0 in conference games, and now she's the head coach at Memphis. 
Um, she is a very strong and successful woman in a leadership role. Uh, inevitably, there will probably be some folks who will ask, okay, you're now a man taking that position. Um, what's your message to those fans who maybe said, uh, we'd like to see a woman in a leadership role? And granted, understandably, given the climate uh, of that, that we are in in college sports. Yeah, I get it. I, I totally get it. And I'm not offended by it mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I think a leader can be – every leader is different. And so many different people are strong leaders. Uh, whether you're male or female. And I think as long as you have the right leader in place, that's the most important thing. Uh, And I have three daughters, and I've been on the women's side for going on 10 years now. So this is all I know, and I've been successful at it. And you could ask any player that I've ever coached, and they would say nothing but great things about me, you know, in terms of my leadership abilities, how I am as a, a father, a coach, you know, being able to hold them accountable, being able to build them up, praise them when they need it, uh, or just be a sounding board for them. So, so whatever the approach may be, uh, I, I'm ready for that. I'm prepared to do this job, and, and, and I think they will love the final product. What have your interactions been like with the few players that you do inherit on the current roster? Uh, obviously, there were seven seniors on last year's team, so a lot graduated off of that successful championship team, uh, and a few players hit the portal, and some of them went with Coach Simmons. But the ones that you have in the program now, what have those interactions been like so far? Obviously, early on, there was some uncertainty, right, with them. And like, hey, am I good enough to play for him? Am I, you know, is he going to use me? Does he want me here? All those sort of things. And, you know, once we kind of, once they kind of got over those initial conversations, and I was like, yes, I absolutely want you here. Absolutely, you're good enough. Absolutely, you can play my style. Um, the comp- they, now they're confident, and I want them to be themselves. And, and they're comfortable with me, and we're just, we're developing a relationship now. We're getting to know each other. Uh, and they've been very helpful. Go ahead. That hesitancy, though, it's understandable. It is. Right? Right. They're, they're Whenever you have a coaching change. Yeah. I, I don't, they don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know me from, from Adam, right? They, they, their head coach who recruited them and they played for left. And they're like, uh-oh, now what? Who are they bringing in? Is he crazy? You know, is he going <laughs> to, like, make us get up at 6 a.m. and run three miles? You know, all that sort of thing that kids think about, which is, which is normal, right? Mm-hmm. That little bit of anxiety. But uh, once they – I always want my players – I'm a regular person. I'm a, I, like, I like to sleep. I like to laugh, joke, watch TV, listen to music, eat. Um, I have kids. I just coach basketball. So when they see that you're a real person, a regular person – I think it's easier for them to relate to you, and then they kind of let their guard down a little bit, and then it'll be open, and now it's okay to get to know him. He's normal, right? And, and ultimately, that's what I want them to know. I'm normal. I'm just a normal person, and we can be normal together and have fun. You can be yourself around me. Something I just noticed about you, I looked down, mm-hmm. and you're wearing I told pizza you. socks. I told you. I told you. You said before, your favorite food, probably pizza, and he's wearing pizza socks. He is a normal guy, folks. Any type of pizza, I will eat it. Any type of pizza. Now, they say (laughs) East Coast pizza, New York pizza is the best. I'm not so sure, though. Uh, I'm still having some doubts on that. Maybe I haven't had the right slice. I don't know what is the best. There's a lot of options. I don't know. Don't, start, don't get me going here on a <laughs> Chicago deep dish. That's not pizza. That's a casserole. <laughs> you Midwest guy. We're going to make you an East I, I'm a guy. fan of the deep dish, though. I'm a fan of that. It's good. It's just not pizza. Don't call it pizza. <laughs> What's your recruiting philosophy going to be? You come from the Midwest. I assume since you have spent your entire coaching career there, your playing career there, that's probably where your strongest recruiting ties are. Nowadays, you know how college athletics works. There are very few players currently on the roster that you inherit You've got a lot of spots to fill right away, and you're coming down to a region of the country that you haven't been in uh, before. So what's the recruiting philosophy, and where are you going to go to find those players? Uh, obviously, I want to 
learn this region. Um, I'm excited about it. I've spoken to several AAU programs and high schools already. So I am committed to learning this region. It's not going to take long. If you can recruit and you have natural relationships and genuine conversations with coaches and you're real and honest about what you need and your expectations and your vision for the program, right, they'll send you the players that fit you. And if, you, if they're not good enough or they're not what you are looking for, you let them know that. As long as you guys are honest, you can recruit and you can build those relationships quickly. Obviously, I have a lot of ties to the Midwest. So I will recruit the Midwest, but obviously the focus will be the Southeast and we'll pluck out of different regions. Because I do have, I know a lot of kids who are talented who would love to be in this climate and play at Gardner-Webb from the Midwest. So if we can, if we can do well at both regions, you know, Great. I just want good basketball players, right? I want good character kids here. So I don't care where they're from. I don't, I'll go get them out of Alaska if, if they're the right fit. Um, but obviously, I do want to get connected and, and learn this region as much as I possibly can. What's the playing style that we can expect from your team? We're going to be aggressive. Uh, we're going to be extremely aggressive in, in getting the ball out of the net. Uh, or off the backboard. I want to get the ball to the red zone. If you watch football, right, it's 20-yard line and in. So we're basically in the scoring zone in two to three seconds. Hmm. And if we have a quick three, go ahead, we'll take it. If we can get an early post-touch, we'll take it. If we can get to the rim and make a play, absolutely. If not, we'll flow into some secondary offense. And it'll kind of be predicated on where the ball goes, um, which eliminates a lot of the thinking for my players, right? They'll be in positions, and, and they'll know it, and it'll be kind of muscle memory-like. Uh, and then defensively, we're going we're gonna to pick the point guard up 40 minutes every game. Uh, we're just going to wear you down, and we'll rotate kids on. It won't be one person doing it. Everyone will have to be able to defend in the full court, and we'll be aggressive in the half court, right? We're going to you know, get up. Uh, I'm not sh- I don't think we'll deny because I do like to have um, help in the gap, but we'll be very aggressive on the ball, and then we're going we're gonna to trap some ball screens. We're going to do some different things, um, but everything will be aggressive, and I really want to focus in on being the best rebounding team, not only in the conference, but one of the best in the country. Do you have a goal for number of possessions a game with how fast you're describing things? Uh, I want to be in the 80s and 90s for possessions. That's a lot. It is a lot, and, but I also want to be efficient within those possessions. So if we can score over a point per possession, that's what I want. Because, you know, I want to be aggressive, and there are going to be some aggressive turnovers, which I'm okay with, because I want kids to play free and have the confidence to try stuff and, you know, and make decisions and plays. Um, but you, the kids have to be committed to it, right? I'm committed to it as a coach. I got to get kids in here who are committed to it, and you have to be in shape, and, and you've got to have a level of toughness to play at that pace. I heard a coach describe this to me, that if you go and look at the analytics, points per possession – Almost entirely, no matter how good they are, every single team in the country is most efficient when they play in transition. So why would I not try and increase the amount of times I'm in transition? Now, it'll take some time to get your players, year one, year two, as you try and you know build the program back up to where it was in your time as head coach. And it seems to me as if that's kind of different, almost the opposite of what maybe when you don't have everyone in place just yet and you're building a program, what you would have thought of milking the game and lowering possession. So is that a fair understanding of, of what you're trying to do, that we're going to get out and run so we can be most efficient and that'll maximize you know, whatever it is that we have right away and ultimately where we're going? Fair? No? It's, it's very fair. It's ultimately you always have an advantage in transition. Yeah. Right? Because teams do not want to sprint back for 40 minutes, right? Maybe early on in the first quarter, they'll do a good job of getting back. Eventually, they're going to break down, and eventually they get tired, right? Now they need to sub. Now they need to call a timeout. Um, It's a a mindset. It's a mentality, and and I'm banking on our conditioning. I'm banking on our level of toughness and commitment to playing that style, uh, which I don't – 
I want teams to have to prepare for us more so than we have to prepare for them. You know, when you play teams who are really great in transition, I'll use Iowa, for example. Mm -hmm. um, our whole game plan, plan is predicated on stopping them in transition. Because if you don't, you, you're going to get blown out of the gym. Um, you know, not to mention all the other weapons they have. So I, I want teams to have to prepare more for us than we have to prepare for them. You coached against Clay Caitlin Clark. What was it like watching her in person and trying to scout that? It, you can try to scout, say, hey, we'll take this away. We'll, we'll send her, you know, she Good likes luck. to get to the rent, you know. But it's like there's really nothing you can do. And the hard part is she's such a great passer and a willing passer. Yeah. So she's going to have 30, but she has 10 assists. Like, do you – which one do you take away? Because she can also go for 50. So it's like there's really no way to stop her, and that's a, that's a credit to her. Like, there's mm -hmm. just nothing you can do in, in their coaches and, their, and how they play and, and having great players around her. So it's, it's a tough matchup. And you do watch her because if you're a fan of the game, not even though you're coaching against her, she's fun to watch. So you do – there is a moment or moments of admiration, like, wow, she's really good in, in the midst of competition. So at this current juncture of your life, the Big Ten is in the past, now the Big South. First off – what do you know about Gardner-Webb? Obviously, women's basketball success, you're inheriting a program that just did something no one else has ever done. But what do you know about Gardner-Webb University, and what are you looking forward to most? I, I, love, the, I, I love the people so far, um, and I think it's an easy sell, not only because they've been successful the last couple of years, I think because it's a great school academically. I think because the people here, and ultimately the people make the experience, and you have the support from the president and the, and the athletic director and everyone else in the administration, uh, and the location, right? It's a beautiful campus. Uh, it's one of the safest campuses in the country, so it has so many positive things to sell, and that's what I'm excited about. Is like people who may not necessarily understand and know about Gardner Webb when they get here and see it and are around everyone on campus, they're gonna love it. So I'm, it's gonna be an easy sell. I'm so excited to, to recruit here. What do you know about the Big South Conference? It's a competitive conference. It's a really competitive conference, and I'm excited to compete in the conference. And I know they got some some talented coaches in there. Uh, but I think it's a winnable conference also. Like, I'm excited about that, and, and I really, really can't wait to get started. Um, I'm just fired up. And like everything, like the Big South, you know, Gardner-Webb, it's just a great opportunity. Have you had the chance to talk at all to Coach Simmons? Obviously, she leaves here revered, and I think will forever be beloved at Gardner-Webb. I haven't yet, but I do plan on reaching out. Uh, I definitely want to pick her brain a little bit on some of the things she did to make her successful here. You know, she had great, great talent, right? Obviously, she did it was doing the recruiting the right way, and, and she managed to, to go undefeated in conference. Like, who does that? That barely happens in any conference. So she obviously has the blueprint and the recipe, so I would definitely love to pick her brain. And before you get players, well, I guess simultaneously, as you're getting players, you have to fill in a staff. Maybe it's a little early for this question, but what's the progress on that, filling out uh, your assistant coaches? So it's going well. It's going really well. Uh, I have two, two people committed to me that I'm extremely excited about, both high-energy, young, talented coaches. Uh, they can connect with players. They can teach the game. They can player develop, and I know they'll be great recruiters. So I'm excited about that. And they're loyal. And they're just – I want good people around me who we can have fun with. It's not about when things are going well. I want people I can be around when, when, we, when we're on a three-game losing streak. Not that that's going to happen because it's not. But if it did, are they still bringing energy? Are they still bringing positivity? Are they still bringing good ideas? That's what I want. And can I still, you know, okay being around you? And, and both of these uh, young ladies are that. So I'm excited about that. And one more person I need to fill out uh, for that last spot. So I'm going to take my time with that one and just make sure I get the right staff here. Now you'll have to deal with the weight of being a college head coach for the first time. 
What does that feel like? What are you feeling right now? I've already been feeling it the last week and a half, two weeks. Uh, and honestly, it's, it's a challenge I've been wanting for the last five or six years. And I'm more excited than nervous. Uh, I, honestly, I was more nervous about the press conference than anything. Like the basketball piece I know, uh, you know, and love and am committed to that. So I'm, I'm like excited that I can okay, – it's officially official now and I can go sell to university. You know, I can get a soon. You know, once my kids come back for the summer, I can get on the court with my players, and I can start putting in my vision and instituting everything I want to do from a basketball standpoint. And then, at the same time, become engulfed in the community because I like there's so many amazing people. Like it's, it really is a family environment. Like you, I, I saw that before on my visit when I was on my interview process two weeks ago, and here at the press conference, so many people came out and, and just were super supportive and introducing themselves and just going up to my wife. I didn't even have to introduce her and my family. Like that's the type of people that are around here, which is amazing. I, I, I love it. You mentioned Tom Crean as a mentor to your to you, your college head coach. What's the number one piece of advice? since being named the head coach of Gardner-Webb, that one of your mentors in the business has given you about being a head coach? Honestly, just get your staff right. That, uh, multiple head coaches have told me that. Make sure you get your staff right because you're going to need them, right? No, no one can do this alone. There's too much going on. You're managing too many people. We say get your staff right. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to go well for you. File that under things that I have also learned, being behind the scenes with coaches that I think maybe the average fan underestimates the importance and the role of hiring the right assistants and having good assistants. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I'm confident the two that I have so far are that. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have hired them. Uh, so that, so that, that's been on my mind since I've been going after head jobs. Uh, and I was like, who, who can I hire? Who can, who can get in the, the, you know, the fire with me that I'm going to want to be around? And that's going to be loyal. You know, and that I can also learn from, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Phil Jackson or Red Auerbach. I don't pretend to know everything about the game of basketball. So I want people I can also learn from. Well, this has been a great conversation. It's great to meet you. I look forward to working with you. I look forward to watching your team play. But I have one last question: <laughs> What's it like being six ten? Listen, it, it, to me, it's normal. <laughs> it, to me, it's normal. But it's, it is a great icebreaker. Right, for any conversation. Because people are always going to ask you or just come up to you, hey, how tall are you? Did you play basketball? So no matter where I'm at, what, no matter the environment, I always have that to go to, which makes my job a little bit easier. Um, but it, it's fine. You just got to protect your head every now and then. I banged my head about two weeks ago. and I, I definitely might have been concussed, but I kept it moving. You know, there's no time. You have to, to duck under doorways? Sometimes. Sometimes. I do, for sure. <laughs> And plane, plane rides are not fun. I, I will I admit. I swear I asked that question respectfully. If, if, like, <laughs> those seats are so small. I, like, and then, you know, 15 years ago, if you were tall, they would always automatically move you. They said, like, hey, you can sit up here. Nowadays, they don't care. Like, they're just, your seat is your seat. You know, if they have an opening, the exit row is open or whatever. But if, if not, they're just, you, it is what it is, which I don't get, like, if, if you're over a certain height, there should be you should be able to put that down on the ticket. You say this guy's six ten; he can't fit in a regular seat. Traveling with our men's team last year, a couple of the guys they uh, maneuvered their way into the exit row. Mm-hmm. So that's, I always I guess that's in your future. I do ask every time, and usually they're they're willing to help. But I feel like I shouldn't have to. When they see you, 
at, at my size, they should automatically be like, hey, where are you sitting? Let's Exit get you a room. different seat. Yep. And I'm sure you'd answer yes to helping out in the event of emergency. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Scott, great conversation. It's good to meet you. And I wish you all the best of luck. I'll be, I'll be courtside watching. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for this episode of Dog Tracks. Remember, you can track all that's happening in Running Bulldogs Athletics at GWUsports.com. That's GWUsports.com. And remember, follow Gardner Web Athletics on social media, the different platforms, at GWUsports, and by searching the hashtag Running Bulldogs. Until next time, I'm your host, Phil Constantino, and Skodogs. Dogs.